to uh, our service, and we're in the middle of a series called Wild Goose Chase. And you say, what is that all about? Uh, we, we talked about this in the introduction last week, that the Celtic Christians had a name for the Holy Spirit, and they would call the Holy Spirit On God Gloss. And what that literally means is wild goose. And so we're, this year, we're on a, on a, on a, on a chase and, and, and on a mission to understand how the Holy Spirit's going to work in our lives more. And we've been talking about these cages each week. And, and this whole idea of a wild goose chase is in, to introduce, you know, adventure into our lives. I just got to say this. I feel like some of you need some adventure this morning. So why don't we just stand up and give the person next to you a hug or, you know, a handshake or whatever, uh, just a little uh, adventure. All right, all right. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. All right, now it's too much adventure. So, in this whole series that we're, uh, we're talking about, Wild Goose Chase, is to introduce to us adventure. And when you chase, and this perfectly describes a, a relationship with God, when you, when you chase God, you don't know where you're going to end up, who you're going to meet, how it's going to happen. It, it, it just brings a whole nother level of excitement into your lives. And I feel like for some of us, you know, in the 21st century, we talked about this last week. Remember last week we talked about the cage of what? Anybody remember? Responsibility. And I hope that uh, you had a chance to, to kick that whole thing around last week uh, with some of your closest relationships, to ask the question, what is the God-ordained calling that he's given you? And uh, th this is so, so important for each one of us. And, and this week we got our, our cage, our cage up. And, and are you guys ready? We're gonna, and if you missed last week, you can go to our website. It's right here up on the, the website. But let me introduce uh, our, our victim today. We've got him in the cage. Okay, you ready? Poor, poor brother in here. Mike, Mike Lowe is in the cage this morning. Why are you cheering for him? You shouldn't cheer for him. He's a poor soul caught in a cage. And, uh, you know, th this week we're going to be looking at, uh, last week we looked at Nehemiah, and, and Nehemiah was, was stuck in the, in the cage of responsibility, and God was able to set him free and call him out. And this week we're going to look at the story of Moses. And obviously in 30 minutes we're not going to cover one of the most important leaders in, in Scripture. And I, I would say one of the most important leaders to ever exist. You know, you got, you got Jesus and, you know, you'd have to say after Jesus, uh, Moses is right, right behind him. I mean, why? He led an exodus of three million people out of Egypt and then led them around for 40 years in the desert. I mean, what kind of leadership skills would you need to do that? I mean, and you read the story, it's amazing and what he taught and what he gave the people through God. But today we're going to look at a, a time in Moses' life, he lived 120 years. And you could break it up into 40-year periods. His first 40 years was preparing to be somebody. 
And after that 40 years of preparation, he was, he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And basically, he was next in line to become Pharaoh. You had the, the Pharaoh's son, which was the prince. But then you had the daughter's son, okay, who would have been next in line. So Moses and, and Pharaoh's son, the prince, were raised together. You can imagine all the training that he got about how to be a great leader. And then there's something that happens to him. He realizes his background, that he is a Hebrew. The very people that were enslaved. And he starts to, to, to lead his own revolution and he kills an Egyptian. And where we're going to pick this up is, is during this next phase of his life. He's running as a fugitive. He runs to the backside of the desert, an area called Midian. And there he encounters his future wife. But this time, this next 40 years of his life, I would say first 40 years preparing to be somebody and then the next 40 years preparing to be nobody in the desert, on the backside of the desert, in the middle of nowhere. And guess what his occupation for these 40 years was? Any idea? He was a shepherd. He took care of sheep. And for an Egyptian raised in that culture, shepherding was probably one of the dirtiest, lowly jobs you could imagine. I don't know what comes to mind for you, but what would be your dirtiest job? That you would just go, that, I would never do that job. That's the job that he got. The dirtiest, stinkiest job of all for an Egyptian raised in that culture to be a shepherd was awful. Because when you take care of sheep, guess what? You stink. Sheep stink. And guess what, you, you take care of sheep, so guess who stinks too? And you just get used to stink. You, your whole life is about the stink. And it is, it is, a, it is a, a, a routine, it is, it is a life that you do over and over. How many of you have pets? What, what's the na- normal life of a pet? And you as the care, care of a pet. You get up, you feed the animal, you take the animal outside, and you pick up the poop of the animal, Right? And then you take the animal in, you give the animal a treat, and then you do it again later that day. That's pretty much what a shepherd's life is. You got hundreds of, of sheep. I mean, it's not very exciting. And so you think about it, and what's his, what's his panoramic view every day as he gets up in the morning? He's looking at sheep. And he's looking at the backside of sheep. You know, sheep are pretty cute on the front side, you know, the puffy and white. What about the backside of a sheep? That's nasty. I mean, he's got, a, he's got a boring job. I mean, it day in and day out. So he did this for 40 years, 2,080 weeks, over and over and over. And so Moses, you think about his first 40 years, he's got to be feeling at this stage in his life like, what am I doing? I'm forsaken. I was trained and prepared to be a prince And now I'm out here being a shepherd. And he could have very easily thought, this is how my life is going to go from here forward. I'm going to die doing this. And he found himself in this cage that we'll call today routine. The cage of routine. And our poor brother Mike is in the cage of routine. Mike gets up and does the same thing every day. Over and over 
and over with very little change, very little variety. And guess who his life describes? Our life. See, because we also can be stuck in this cage of routine and we're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And this is Moses' life. And again, we're not going to cover everything. We're just going to look at a, at, at a brief overview of his life in this moment in time where God connects with him. And so I hope that you can identify with Mike and you can identify with, with, with Moses and you can get out of your cage today. And I hope that this week you can identify and get out of your cage of routine. So let's begin. We're going to start reading in, in verse 1. And before I get into this story, I've got to tell you about this moment. This, this, this mountain, anybody know, you can identify this. This mountain is the Popocatepel just outside of Mexico City. In 1991, I went to Mexico City to train as a missionary to learn Spanish. And I lived with another family. They uh, had us stay with them. And, and this guy was kind of crazy. And he, you know, I was grateful for the, you know, room and board that he provided Laura and I. His name was Foster. His name is Foster Standback. We live with him. And he was kind of crazy. He was an adventurer, thrill seeker. And he got this thing in his mind that, hey, I want to climb this mountain. This mountain is the Popocatepel. It's close to 18,000 feet in altitude. It's one of the tallest mountains in our hemisphere. And it's in thin air. And it's a live volcano. And he goes, I want to climb that. Do you want to come? <laughs> and so, you know, this, this was pretty young in age. And I said, sure, why not? I'm, I'm open. And he talked about physical condition and you got to be in shape. And so we trained for about a month and a half to go up this mountain. It was one of the hardest things that I've ever done. Those last, what, 100 feet of climbing was like running the 100-yard dash over and over and because air was so thin. And this is a photograph of the five of us on the very summit of the Popocatepel. And I'm sitting down because I'm trying to catch my breath. And the guy next to me and the other two are trying to catch their breath, but they figure if I sit down, I may never get up. There were seven of us that went on this mountain hike. Five of us made it. Two had to go back because they had what they call this, uh, it's called a, a altitude sickness, and they started to vomit vehemently, and they couldn't control it. So when you get to that condition, you're basically not in shape enough to climb to the top. There was a point of no return that if you go, you can't, you got, these guys had to go back. And so we made it. And all along the way, there was these crosses. We thought, wow, these are really spiritual people that really that climbed this mountain. You know, a lot of Christians come up here. And this guy here in the white, he was our guide, and he said, no, 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 these, these aren't, you know, these are where people died. And then that took on a whole different meaning. Then I asked myself, what in the world did I get myself into? Because what happens is weather systems move into this area, people get lost, and they, they stay up there and die. So right behind us here is this, this crater. It's a huge, gigantic crater. They closed the mountain a number of years later because the, the mountain literally exploded and was, was plumes. It's, it's closed to this day. You can climb it, but you have to climb it illegally and at your own risk. 
But here's the reason why I'm bringing, telling you this story. When we got to the top and I caught my breath, there was this moment where I stood out. This isn't me, but this is exactly what I saw. As you're on the top of the mountain and you look out, you're above the clouds, 18,000 feet, and you look out above everything. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, at this moment was a God in awe moment. Where I just stood in awe of God and I said, this, this is amazing. I feel like I'm between, right, right near heaven here because I'm up above and I see everything. And this is a glorious, glorious view of God's creation. And the Celtic Christians would call these moments where heaven and earth connect. They, they called them, they, they, they called them thin places. Places where heaven and earth connect. And, you know, there's different times in my life where I've gone. Just recently, I remember we went to the bridge to nowhere, and I was, you know, kind of got ahead of the group, and I'm by myself, and I'm looking up, and I'm looking around, and I'm going, wow, God, this is amazing what you've created, what you've done. But see, these moments are few and far between now because you and I are inundated with routine, and too often we miss those thin places where you can see God's presence right in front of you. And as we talked about last week, responsibility can choke us out of these thin places. Routine can choke us out. And Moses is right in the middle of this routine. So we're going to read Moses as he's being called out of his, his life of routine, his cage of routine. Verse 1, it says, One day... Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the, flock far in, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And, and this, this beginning right here, one day, we'll come back to that. But this is, this is huge, what's happening in Moses' life. God is going to reach out to him in this moment. And in this pursuit of talking about a wild goose chase, what we need to understand is God is trying to reach us. It only takes one day to change everything. One day your life can change. If you're a guest here today, I don't, you know, I don't know how you're feeling about our service, but I, I want you to say this isn't about a church service. This isn't about a speaker. This is about God trying to get our attention. And in one day everything can change. In this one day, Moses, life was going to change forever. And he was going to change the lives of so many other people around him. But too often, you know, when we read Scripture, when we read the Bible, and some of us have been reading the Bible a long time, you know what happens to us? We read these stories, and we kind of know how it's going to end, and we think, well, that's Moses. It doesn't really describe my life. I want you to understand that Moses, at this point in his life, thought he was going to die in the middle of nowhere as a shepherd and nothing was going to change. And one day, out of nowhere, God calls him, God moves him, and everything changes. Do you think David had any idea that he was going to become, as he was a shepherd as well, that he was going to become one of the most powerful kings in all of Israel's history? Think he had any clue? You think Noah had any clue that God was going to knock on his door and say, hey, I want you to build a boat. 
and I'm going to use you to save the world. See, a lot of these, these people had no idea what God was up to. And so when you read the scriptures, you need to understand that these guys didn't know what was about to happen, and it was these moments, and in your own life, the same thing can happen in one day. So we read on. There, in that very place, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blaze of fire in the middle of a bush. Now let's talk about this because it's very important. In the desert, how many bushes are there? I mean, you guys have been out to the desert, right? How many bushes are there? There's bushes everywhere. You got a little bush, big bush, medium bush, bushes everywhere. You just get used to it. There's a bush out there. There's tumbling bushes. There's a lot of bushes. And what's amazing about this is in the middle of the desert, there is a bush, not a tree, just a bush, a thorny, prickly bush. Moses stared in an amazement, though the bush was engulfed in a flame, it did not burn up. Something was different about this bush. How big was the flame? We don't know. But in his 40 years in the desert, do you ever think he saw a bush on fire? Probably. Hit by lightning. It happens. Wildfires happen. He could have dismissed it. But let's look at his reaction. He, he, he didn't get caught up in life's struggles. And this is so big, this, this point here, where he sees something amazing and it gets his attention. And I want to encourage you. Don't get caught up in life, in the rut of life. Some of you are stuck deep in the rut of life. And, and, and the Holy Spirit's not going to be able to reach you. See, because a lot of times, you know what we're doing, particularly now in 2015, we've got our phones out, and all we do is this. And, and here's a burning bush, something amazing, and we're walking around, and all we can see is the front of our screen, and we're chatting with somebody, or we're watching this, or we're watching that, and guess what we miss? The glory of God and the opportunity of a lifetime for you get out of your cage of routine and live an adventure and live the very purpose for your existence. And so I want to encourage you to get out of your rut. And read on, and then Moses says, this is amazing. Then he said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush. When God noticed that it got his attention, that's when God called. When's God going to call you? When you stop and notice what he's doing. See, too often we don't stop and notice. We're so busy, we're so wrapped up in our routine, and we're doing our thing. We got our schedule, and nothing moves us from that schedule. It's the same over and over. You know the days that you're going to work. You know the days that you're going to be off, and you fill your schedule up with what you're going to do in your day off. Where is the margin? Where is the, the difference, the variety where God can get your attention and maybe move you in a different direction? And this is a huge, huge thing. And when the Lord 
saw that it got his attention, he called him and he said, Moses, Moses, here I am, he said. This is the beginning of the wild goose chase when he answered, here I am. The significance of this statement is, you know, everything changes, everything changes when, when we get in that disposition of here I am, God. You got my attention. Here am I. Here's my life. What do you want? What do you want from me? Where do you want to take me? What do you want to do with me? And this is, this is so big. And I want to ask you the question, when's the last time that you said to God, here I am? If you're going to go on this wild goose chase that we're talking about and finding what the Holy Spirit has in, in, in store for you, this has got to be your attitude. Here I am. When's the last time you said, God, here I am. I'm ready to do what you want. I'm ready to make a change. I'm ready to move my life and, and change things in, in a different direction. And then the Lord replied, don't come any closer. The Lord warned, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. Now we're going to come back to that in a little bit. But this is significant. And so I want to encourage you if you want to get out of this cage. And so, Michael, I'm going to ask you if you could go ahead and say it with me. Here I am. Here I am. Okay, perfect. You can come on out of the cage now. Awesome. Let's give Mike a, a hand here. Thank you. Just, just simply, just simply saying those words, here I am, can set you free from your cage of routine. That allows God the opportunity to start moving your life. And so I, wanna, I want us to, to, to look at, you know, this. And when God called Moses, what do you think he called him for? See, because a lot of times we do the same thing. God takes care of our past so he can lead us where? To the future. Some of us think, well, God, God saved me. He called me to save me. Is that it? Is that all it is? That you're just going to be a member of a church and you're going to be in a ministry and you're going to do this, you're going to help the children, you're going to do this? Is that it? Just so he could save you? Is that it? See, and too often that describes Christianity for a lot of people. I'm just, God called me, Jesus died for me so that I could be saved. That's it. That couldn't be further from the truth. God called you to save you, yes. But he also took care of your past so he could lead you into the future. And this is really, really significant because I've got to ask you, where is your focus? Is it on the past? Are you open? Here I am, Lord. Are you open to God leading you into the future? Are you open to the Holy Spirit connecting with you, leading you to your future? And, and here's the deal. All of us have routines, right? I've got them. You're probably your routine, and, and is you get up in the morning, you take a shower, you brush your teeth, Right? And let me just give you a public statement here for everybody. Uh, we as your friends are really, really glad that you have that routine, and we want you to continue in that routine. But we've all got our routines, right? For me, I, I have a routine. I get up and go start the coffee maker, 
and, you know, pray, read my Bible, you know, and then the day starts, a little after eight, appointments, things are going on, things are moving. And I've got a routine. Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday, meetings, appointments. But here's the challenge. If you get so focused on your routine, you miss the opportunity for God to move you in a different direction. And it can imprison you. It can, it can completely inundate your life. And you know what? God didn't save us so that we could live boring lives. And I got to say this. Sometimes you guys, you come to church and it's boring because you're bored. You don't come to church expecting something different, praying for something different, praying for God to, to speak to you, to move you in a different direction. You know what? You've been doing this a long time, and you're kind of like, well, here I am again at church. It's part of your routine. And you're just doing your thing. You're missing it. You're in a cage and you don't even know it. You're inside rattling the bars and you don't even know it. And so what I want to invite you to do, yes, we all have, what would life be, out, we, what would life be like without routine? Chaos. So yes, got to accept it. I got, I got my routine, you got your routine, but is there margin in your routine for God to work in your life? to do something outside of the box. And God created us, you know, they're, they're, he, do you think he created the adrenaline gland? I think he did, right? How about that adrenaline gland once Moses took God's call and he stood in front of Pharaoh and he's challenging Pharaoh and he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. You think his adrenaline was going? And when he dropped the staff and it turned into a snake, and when the te 10 plagues, you think his adrenaline was popping and, and then they, they, leave, they leave Egypt and they're on their way out and then there's this huge Egyptian army pursuing them. And then the, the Red Sea parts. And, and do you think there's adrenaline in that walk? Absolutely. That's what God is calling us to. But see, some of us are trying to find adrenaline in the wrong places. But God is trying to lead you into a life filled with adrenaline, with excitement, with the unexpected, the unpredictable. But you've got to be open to it. And don't overmanage your routines. Here's a verse that says this in Psalm 96, verse 1. What does the psalmist say? He says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Why do you think he's saying sing a new song? Do you know they've done scientific studies that if you sing a song 40 times, you don't even think about the lyrics anymore? You just repeat it. We've been singing some new songs here in church. Haven't you noticed? Some of you don't like it. <laughs> I want to sing the old songs. You know what you used to do when you sang, sang those old songs? You would repeat the words, but the words didn't have any meaning anymore because you've sung it so many times, it's no longer about worshiping God. It's no longer something where you're just, you're in the presence of God and you're singing to Him. You're realizing, man, you're just thinking through those words. And some of you don't sing at all. You listen, or you're distracted. And you're missing it. 
That is a perfect description of a life of routine. And you're in a cage. You can't see God. And so I want to encourage you to do things outside of the box. Get out of your cage. When you come to church, expect the unexpected. It may be predictable, but when, when we sing a song, sing, sing to God. And if you're a guest here today, yes, we want church to be exciting. That's why we do stupid things like put a cage on the stage. <laughs> why would you do this? Because it's something different. But the problem is, even if we do this or if we jump and hang from the roof or whatever, if you are in a cage of routine, it won't matter what we do here. Because you're stuck. And so I want to invite you, come out of your cage. Break your routine and see what God is doing. Sing a new song, and it, it's, it's mental. They've done a study on it 40 times, and you just, it's, it's programmed. It becomes, you know, you guys know the difference between the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain? Left side of your brain is about numbers and logic and predictability. The right side of your brain, when you're driving and you're not even thinking about it, that's who's in charge, the right side of your brain. You're just doing the thing. It's, it's instinctual. You just, it's mechanical. It's routine. This is the right side of your brain. The left side of your brain is adventure, is creativity. It's where your heart thrives, your spiritual heart where you start dreaming dreams and you have vision. And you say, well, I'm a right brain person or I'm a left brain person. Guess what? Both of us, all of us are both. Don't, can't fight it. The question is, where are you going to spend most of your time? We need both. But I believe too many of us are right, brain, right side brain. We turned our Christianity into right or, or left side brain activity. It's routine. It's ritual. And I want to invite you to, to live on the right side of your brain where God is trying to call us out into a different mindset. Here's some practicals. Let me give them to you about how to break out of your routine. And this is, this is mostly for our members, but I'll have something for you if you're a guest here today on, on how to break your routine. One of the, one of the things that I recommend is, is new translations of the Bible. You know, I highly, highly recommend that every one of us read our Bibles every single day. Why? Because that's one of the things that God uses to speak to us. I mean, I've been reading the Bible for close to 30 years. And every day it still speaks to me in different. And I do this. I actually read a different translation every year in my personal devotions in the morning. And a piece of it every year. So that, because Scientifically, did you know that different words tri trigger different reactions in your brain? If you just change the word, it can trigger something different in your brain. And that's why you want to read a different. Uh, and I want to encourage you, if you want to break out of your routine, is start a fast. Well, I don't like fasting. Exactly. Fasting is saying to God, God, I need you and I need change. I need to get out of this more than I need food. Well, you don't, you don't know what I become. I become a monster when I don't eat. Well, you need to face who you really are and change who you are.
But I want to encourage you, there's, there's a day fast, there's a three-day fast, there's a 10-day fast, and here we're coming up on a season called Lent. It's a 40-day fast, 40 days before Easter. And, and, and just me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously considering doing something like that before because I want to shake things up. I want something different. I want to see God move in my life and in our lives differently. And a fasting is a way to do it. And, and journal writing, writing a journal, writing your thoughts, taking the time to write things because when you write, you think and you have time. And I'm not talking about a Facebook page. I'm talking about, I'm talking about you with everything turned off, journaling, writing things down. Go on a retreat. Go do something different. You can go on a personal retreat. Go to the mountain by yourself. You can go as a married couple. We do this once a year, but that doesn't mean you have to wait till November to go on a retreat. Go on a retreat yourself. And go somewhere. You can go on an afternoon retreat just by yourself. Go someplace alone and, and think and read and, and turn stuff off so you can, because we need a change of our surroundings to break the routine, to be in a place and a time where God can speak to us and, and lead us in a, in a direction. And then this, this, this other thing is go on a mission trip. I highly recommend you go on a mission trip before your day is over, before your life is over, at least one. What do I mean by a mission trip? I mean go to a third world country and serve the poor and the needy and get to know what people's life is like outside of your own surroundings. This is a game changer. And I'm going to show you a video right now of a mission trip that they took just this past year. And we're doing a lot of them. Uh, the Los Angeles Church is participating in mission trips. They're called Medical Brigade, some of them. Some of them are serving and, and teaching English to, to, to people. There's all kinds of different mission trips. But this evening, as I told you last week, we got a guy, Walter Kukowski. He puts these groups together. This week, they're going on a mission trip to Guatemala. For, uh, there's 60 people going together. People from all over the country. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to go out and serve our poor brothers and sisters that live in shacks and, and then in the community of these places. So let's watch the video. Three years ago, I spoke with Freddie in San Pedro Sula. Freddie, I have a dream. One day, I will go service to the poor in my country, Guatemala. Wow. In this moment, my dreams is a reality. thing is what they see from us. They see the ministry of Jesus Christ in us. They see us as Christians. They see us as people who care and who love.
has blessed me greatly. I see God's hand working in my family and in other people around me. And God has given me strength to keep on working. We hope, and I don't care if I'm sick, but I have faith. I have faith and I'm grateful for all the help that you have given me and my family. And I want to continue through the power of God. special to see the miracles to see the health bring back to so many people thank you for your effort thank you for coming here and loving us to love the people here in Guatemala many many are grateful many are keep on coming brigade after brigade so they can receive medicine vitamins treatment and we can see the results we can see the results even in the members of our church. It has been so special seeing how many brothers and sisters have decided to give their hearts, imitating our Lord Jesus as they serve their brothers and sisters. I encourage you with all of my heart to unite and take part in this great labor of caring for the brothers and sisters here. Thank you with all of my heart. of a blessing it is to be here saying thank you because you have been for us people who have come to help us a great deal. One of the people being helped is my sister. My sister is 23 years old and she has rheumatoid arthritis. She has suffered from this condition because we do not have health insurance. But with your help brothers and sisters you are making this possible. 
My sister now walks and has not had any flare-ups. She is going to college like a healthy person her age should be able to do. All you are doing is not in vain. Thank you. We are grateful. We love you and we pray for God to keep you well and healthy and for you to be able to continue to help us as you have been doing. Uh, I'm happy to be on my third medical brigade here in Guatemala. Um, I was part of the original church planning here in the city of Guatemala in, in 1994. I'm very grateful for all that you've done to support uh, the church work and the hope work here in this great country. A few of the stories that we've heard is how families that did not have medical treatment are able to find medical treatment because of uh, these, these brigades. A year ago, I met a sister who had just been baptized because she had came out to a medical brigade and said she had never seen a church that cared so much for the well-being of its members and wanted to be part of what we're doing. Those types of things are incredible. Thank you so much. We love you for your sacrifice and your giving, and we hope to see you here in Central America soon. Okay. So you get the picture, right? And literally, this is huge. Uh, there's some people, diabetic uh, patients in our church. He's a brother or sister, members of our church in Guatemala, who are going to have their limbs amputated, but because they were able to get medical treatment from our medical brigades, they still have their limbs. It's been life-saving for some people. So if you can, I'll get you the schedule, and, and hopefully this year some of you can get, get lined up to go on one of these trips because it, it, it will change everything. Uh, and, and start serving. Yesterday was an incredible opportunity to serve. Uh, we're going to have a Super Bowl party at the, the homeless shelter. Uh, did it last year. Best Super Bowl party I've ever been to. Because we were waiters and waitresses for the homeless as they enjoyed the Super Bowl. We turned it into a restaurant. And they got the chips and salsa and all kinds of stuff. We took care of them, and they had a blast. And I plan on doing it again. I want to invite you to do it again. We're going to do, have a, a really, really great time at the shelter. Uh, another thing is plug into your groups. Too many of you in your small groups, you've got acquaintances. I really want to encourage you to plug in deep into deep relationships. Have conversations about what we talked about last week, this week, and continue to get plugged in. And again, if you're a guest here, I want to invite you to study the Bible. You have no idea where this could lead you. I never would have imagined 30 years ago that I'd be where I am right now and have what I have. But it all started with this simple decision. All right, so let's wrap it up. And we go back to this point. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come anywhere closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. What made the ground holy? The presence of the Lord. They weren't in the promised land yet. But just being in God's presence and some of you say, well, you know, I've never seen a miracle. I've never seen a miracle in my whole life. I, I don't even know what a miracle is. You don't even recognize. Learn to recognize the miracles all around us. Do you know that right now there are six trillion cellular reactions in your body every second? Do you know that today your heart will beat an average of 115,000 times today? Do you know that inhaling and exhaling, you will inhale and exhale 23,000 times? There's so many things that are a miracle and you don't even realize it. You take it for granted. God is so constant. He is so constant that we take him for granted. I mean, stop and realize what you have. 
and what he's done for you and the miracles that are around you and what God is, is doing with us. Albert Einstein said this, there's only two ways, pretty intelligent guy, wouldn't you say? There's only two ways to live your life. One, as if nothing is a miracle. Two, as if everything is a miracle. I mean, this is the way he approached his scientific research. Wow, really? Wow, this is a miracle. This is incredible. And don't be cynical about it, but really appreciate. Take your life, what I feel like, just an overview of everything. Too many of us are missing what God is doing because you're inundated in routine and you're missing it. And so today I want to call you to begin a wild goose chase. And then to wrap it up, let's just jump ahead. We'll skip this verse. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, I am the Lord your God, the father of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. What, what is exactly this statement all about? God was introducing himself to Moses, maybe for the first time. Moses knew about him, but what was God inviting him into that he'd never experienced at this level before in his life? A relationship. You know what God is inviting you into? Not a routine of coming to church, going to small group, reading your Bible, praying every day. He's not inviting you into that. He's inviting you into a relationship. And so I want to I encourage you to pursue the, the Holy Spirit, to pursue God as a relationship. Get to know who he is. Get to know who Jesus is. Get to know who is the Holy Spirit and how he works in your life, how he speaks, how he interacts, how he moves you. And that's on each one of us to be about that pursuit. So we're gonna pray now for the communion. And Jesus didn't die just to save us. He died us. He died so that we could live in a relationship with God. So pray with me as we take the communion. Father God, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have today to know you. I pray you'll forgive us for getting caught up in the routine of life. God, I pray that today that you will lead us through your Holy Spirit. Thank you that Jesus died and gave his body and his blood so that we could be resurrected to new life. Father, I pray that you will please fill us with your Holy Spirit and guide us, help us to learn more about who he is in our everyday lives. We love you, we thank you. Be with us, help us. Thank you for this communion that we can remember Jesus' sacrifice. I pray it will not be a routine for us, God, but we can appreciate and visualize what Jesus did for us. We love you, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.